My name is Ricky Rigolato, the founder of Route the Service Platform. It's a sales platform for the commercial cleaning services industry. I am also the owner of Rosalato Services, a family-owned commercial cleaning company. So welcome to Cleaning and Cocktails, a show where I get the opportunity to sit down with cleaning industry experts and share stories, talk shop about the industry. So grab your cocktail, listen in, and I hope you guys enjoy the show. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Cleaning and Cocktails. As you see, Nate already drinking his beer back right there. Uh, today brings me great pleasure, you guys. Uh, I've got some pretty big names here and some, some important people and an important brand that I have on the show here today to, to talk about chemicals, talk about solutions, talking about disinfecting. You know, these are big terms in the cleaning industry right now that are, are just everywhere. So I said, why not bring some people, some experts to the show to talk about this, right? Because the basis of this show is just bringing cleaning industry experts, bringing cleaning industry professionals, business owners, uh, suppliers, manufacturers to talk shop, storytell, and really give some good insight on what's going on with the cleaning industry. So again, thank you everyone who's on the show. I got Frank, Nate, Jim from the Spartan Chemical brand. I'm gonna let Frank take it away here. Give us, you know, tell us who you are, how long have you been in the business, um, and why should people know who Frank is? Well, my name is Frank Trevisani. I'm a manager of building service contractor for Spartan Chemical. Been with Spartan for 20 years. I've been in the industry for 40 years. Uh, cleaned a lot of toilets, wrecked a lot of floors, you know, learned through, you know, hard knocks. Uh, I think it's the time of our industry that uh, if we do it right, uh, it'll bring us to the next level. We've always been considered a commodity. Now I think uh, people are starting to value the way we clean and how we clean. And I think it's very important. And I commend you, Rick, for putting this on because I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there. There's a lot of snake oils out there. And I think we have to address them now while we move up to this next level so we're not considered used car salesmen. And I think we should be considered professionals in our industry. We have to know what we're doing and we have to know how to address this COVID. And there's a lot of misconceptions out there and I hopefully we'll address them today, like electrostatic sprayers and things like that. And uh, we have Jim Miller from Spartan Chemical. We brought Nate. Nate is a chemist. Uh, he's very involved in this. Uh, he's up to date on all laws. And I think he's gonna be very uh, informative for your group today. Awesome, thank you so much, Frank. Nate, what about yourself, my man? So I've been with Spartan since 2006, started out as a formulator. Uh, my background is I've got a uh, bachelor's of chemistry, chemistry degree from Texas A&M and then a master's in analytical chemistry from The Ohio State University. Um, I started out as a formulating chemist. I've had, I have over 45 products in the Spartan lineup. My current role is manager of research and new product development. So I oversee our quality control team and our formulations chemists and microbiologists on all of our new products and our current products. Thank you so much, Nate. That was like the starting lineup right there from the Ohio State. Jim, what about you? Uh, I've been with Spartan for uh, 34 years uh, as of March 26th of this year. So uh, always in the Chicago market and uh, I've seen a lot of things. I've never quite seen anything like this COVID-19 though, uh, what we're going through right now. Uh, been through, you know, was through SMERS, SARS, went through uh, H1N1, uh, all the, you know, all of it. And, uh, but this one is, uh, this one takes the cake as far as uh, 
the reaction and uh, this, how scared people are and um, just uh, the misconceptions, as you said. So I, I commend you as well, as, like Frank said, uh, for putting this on, because hopefully we'll, uh, we'll, we'll shed some more, shed some better light on what's, what's really the, the best way to address this and to uh, go forward as far as cleaning. And as Frank said, I, I think you're, the bar is definitely going to be raised as far as cleaning. Uh, it, it has been commoditized and it's the first thing that's been cut and scope of work is probably going to be looked at quite a bit now and uh, high touch porters are going to be put in, put in place. So it's, it's going to be pretty, uh, it's going to be pretty cool going forward as far as the cleaning industry. We're front and center right now. So hopefully we, we can help people shine like they should. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's exactly the main point of this guys is we are in a new light um, you know, this is our time to shine, but like you guys are saying, we've got to do it right. We've got to do it commendable as far as, you know, being professional and bring, putting the foot, the best foot forward. And thanks to you guys for putting Nate on here. That was actually something I was going to ask you guys about. Maybe not necessarily a chemist, but just somebody who knows even more so about the chemical structure, because there is so many out there, you guys, like I, every single day, somebody's coming out of the woodwork and trying to sell me a chemical. So we're not, you know, we're not here to sell anything today. It's, it's more of, let's get down to the nitty gritty of these solutions. Because like my first question to you guys is gonna be, you know, I, I knew about the EPA and I knew about, you know, the lists and, you know, approval, CDC, all these requirements and, and approvals. But I gotta be honest with you, just like a lot of other business owners, I didn't buy to, I didn't buy the product because it was EPA registered. You know, I didn't look for some of these qualifications before where now it's like the client is, is asking us, right? The client is asking the business owner, is this an EPA list and approved chemical? So, so to segue on that, you know, whoever wants to take the, the, the question, what, what does it mean to be EPA list and approved as a chemical solution? Nate, why don't you answer that? Yeah, all right, I'll take that. So EPA listing is the products that the EPA is recognizing for being effective against or potentially effective against SARS-CoV-2, which is the virus that uh, leads to COVID-19, which is the disease uh, that everyone's worried about getting right now. Uh, list in is started out, it's, it's been an evolving list. So part of the issue with uh, EPA registered products is because this is such a new emerging viral pathogen, so new, there is not a registered way, there's not a test method for an organism that we can test against right now to get the specific SARS-CoV-2. I will say there are plenty of testing labs that are developing something right now. So I would say end of the year, beginning of next year, you're probably going to see specific disinfectants that have claims that say they can kill SARS-CoV-2. Right now, nothing can do it. So Listin started out at the beginning of March when this became an issue with just being products that had the emerging viral pathogen claim, meaning you had established efficacy and verbiage with the EPA on your master label for your registrations that said you could kill much harder to kill organisms or viruses than what was out there right now, which is the new one. It had then evolved to, as the scientific community has come to the realization that, look, SARS-CoV-2 is a coronavirus. If you can kill human coronavirus or the SARS-associated coronavirus or a couple other different coronaviruses, you can kill, you should be able to kill this coronavirus because there's nothing different 
structurally from other coronaviruses. It's just that this one's new to our bodies. We don't have, uh, we haven't built up an immunity to it. So list N is any product that is an emerging viral pathogen product or has a coronavirus claim of some form or fashion. So it's an amalgamation of products. It's evolved. They've updated it about five or six times since then um, to continue to, act, to give you as many offerings there. But that means it's either established that it can kill a virus that's harder to kill than a coronavirus, or it has established efficacy against a type of coronavirus. Okay. So, I mean, that kind of went right into my next question when we were going to talk about uh, testing. So, like, you, you really nailed it right there where it's not that we, we literally can't test yet on the, on the SARS-2 COVID, right? But because you said the fact that it can kill a coronavirus, it, Correct. it could be on that list, but I got to believe that the testing now is, is going to begin, right? It's, it's going to be ongoing. It's, it's starting to, you have to understand with EPA registrations, it takes a long time. There's always lag. Okay. Uh, so part of where this emerging viral pathogen, these products came into being was flashback to what, uh, six years ago or so, four years ago when we had Ebola, everyone was worried about Ebola. The EPA realized that they were in a position where new things would come into play that would be, that they couldn't make claims to kill. So they started to allow registrations to say, there's a hierarchy of types of viruses. And if you can kill the hardest to kill in virus, which is a non-enveloped, small non-enveloped virus, you can kill a large non-enveloped or an enveloped virus. Coronavirus is down here at the bottom. So if you can kill the really hard to kill small non-enveloped viruses, it's really easy to assume yeah. that you can kill anything below this and that, that hierarchy. So they, they realized that during the Ebola outbreak that they technically, by their letter of the law, didn't have ammunition to say, here's what you can do to kill it. But if you can stack up the hierarchy of viruses, you can say, okay, it's reasonably to assume that we're going to be effective against this because there's always lag. So okay. like I said, you're going to see six to eight months from now, products get hitting the market that are having approved uh, EPA kill claim against SARS-CoV-2. But until that starts to happen, you're going to have anything that can kill a coronavirus can't should be able to kill this one. So it's, I mean, it's good enough and it's, it's a benchmark for it's now. Been, yeah, it's correct. a benchmark for now. That's where with all disinfectants, it's really registrations of a disinfectant is a shotgun approach to how do you tackle something. Uh, you go and you select your bacteria, your viruses, your funguses that you want to try to kill that give you enough coverage, but you're never going to have a product that's going to have a, registered claim to kill everything, but you can associate, is this virus or is this bacteria similar enough to something else that I have on the label that I can assume that it will kill this if it's not already on this label? Okay. No, that, thank you so much. That's, that's a clarifying point right there where many people, when you know, they ask questions about the coronavirus, oh, Rick, it says coronavirus on the label right here. I should be fine, right? I just told them, you know, keep digging, keep looking more, but if it's on the label, and it's on the list, you know, you're taking the right steps to be using the right product. Kurt, I think another big thing is you have to make sure you give it the contact time. Well, we're, the days of a, a spray and wiper over with. If you're gonna- Oh, you took my line, Frank. You took my line. <laughs> That's the truth. You've got to really give it contact time. In fact, it's funny, I was, and there's so many snake oils out there now because of this. You know, people think that they can spray with electro, uh, an electronic spray, electrostatic sprayer, and it's going to disinfect. If you don't clean first, 
and 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 Nate, you can jump in on this, but this yeah. has been bothering me, and I see more and more of the snake oil. I just saw some a BSC touting a, a, a product that they could be, that'll last thirty days. Yeah, you, kill. I mean, this is this is exactly yeah, this is exactly the stuff I want to talk about, Frank. You you just I mean you're you're beating me to the punch here. This is great. So Nate, why don't you address it as a as a chemist? I mean, I may be wrong on this thing, but there's no miracle. You you know if we clean properly and we don't miss steps we're in good shape and it's funny this that oh now we're going to totally clean a building well you paid me to do this anyway you know just yeah. don't pay me two and a half cents a square foot to cheat you because i can't do it for that so pay me the 10 cents a square foot so i can do a thorough cleaning that you want yeah so nate before you jump in i want to i'm going to lay out this um this process that you know me as a bsc as on the bsc side of my business Tell me if I'm right. And Jim, I kind of touched on this with you in the past. Tell me what you think about this, guys, right? So we just did some workshops. We did some classes because I am taking this very serious, Frank, right? I was one of those guys in the beginning, I'll be honest with you, where these machines came out and I was like, oh, wow, production time. Oh, half the battle. I'm, we're golden. Let's go. We're, you know, we're going to get the job done quicker. But very quickly, my quality control girl in the office, she's like, Rick, something's not this. this you're avoiding the processes right now. So let's build our process. So Nate, this is our process today. We, uh, we call it processing. We really, we tell our clients, two clients already that we have, have bought in, have understood the, the time allocation that we need. And we've said, we're going to process your building versus clean your building. So what I mean by processing is our first step is cleaning. Spray and wipe, Frank, right? As far as the neutral cleaner, spraying that pH level seven or lower, cleaning the surfaces with that, prepping, removing the soil and the dirt, visible, non-visible. Then we go in with the disinfectant. Now you've got the ones that are one minute dwell time. You've got the ones with 10 minute. I'll ask Nate to dig in on those differentiators for me in a bit, but we go in with that, um, that second step. We then wait the dwell time um, and then come in with rinse water, with a rag with rinse water, damp the rag, and then remove the disinfectant for the third step. Now, am I doing too many steps or am I, because I started to get to the point where now disinfectant is going to hurt people if they're sitting on a, on a surface for too long and never being cleaned or wiped the right way with a dry rag, for example, you guys, like by listening to those three, I'm sorry, I'm rambling here, but it's very important to me, right? That process, Nate, did, am I doing too many? Am I doing just enough? Did I miss a step? Yeah. No, I don't think you missed a step. I think there's a couple important things that you laid out there. One, more than anything right now in this environment, this pandemic, number one thing to do all the time is clean. Removing the visible debris, removing the soil, removing whatever you can see. Cleaning is paramount to all of this. Um, then number two, the dwell time with the disinfectants is also vital. A disinfectant's only going to work on those organisms if they've had enough time to, cut, to do it. And those are ones that you've benchmarked against it and you've got data that says that it can kill it in this time. If you go shorter than that, you're not going to kill it completely the way that it's designed to do. But what you hit on your third step is the one that everyone is trying to overlook right now. And it's the one where we're going to pay the piper six months from now, 10 months from now, if we're not doing. When we're not disin when we're disinfecting once a week or once whenever, um, and you allow that disinfectant to dry on that surface, you're not going to see this. But when you're disinfecting every day or you're spraying disinfectant constantly, 
on your high touch point surfaces, those things are going to start to tarnish, they're going to start to become damaged, or you're going to get people that because they're constantly coming into con to disinfectants or sanitizers in a way they haven't before, their skin's gonna get sensitized. So now they're gonna start breaking out into rashes. Now they're going to start having more complaints about having lesions or rashes or skin burns, all of those things. So it's very important that number one, everything needs to get clean. Not everything in every environment needs to be disinfected, but everything that you're going to come that someone's going to come in contact with should be cleaned on a routine basis, meaning once a day. You know, if the conference rooms or cafeterias aren't being used right now because there's no one in the building, clean them once, let them go. They're fine. They don't need to be touched for a while, right? But your high touch points, they definitely need to be cleaned all the time. If you're going to come through and disinfect them once a night, great, but come back later mop up the solution in some form or fashion that's left on the, the residue that's left on those surfaces so they don't tarnish, degrade, or burn someone later on when they get, because you have to realize all these disinfectants, even if it's a neutral one, these are pesticides. These are designed to kill things, whether it be a bacteria, whether it be a virus, or sometimes even just the cells that are on your skin that can be pretty dangerous. Okay, so let's, I'm gonna keep digging here, right? So uh, the neutral cleaner, when somebody says pH level seven, because again, this is stuff that I'm learning as well as a BSc, um, they, I've been told seven or lower for a neutral cleaner, not to go close to eight, never to go above eight. What does break that down to layman's terms? What does that mean for for a new a newbie commercial cleaning company owner that's starting, that's buying its products over the counter, right? Like what yeah. what is the appropriate pH level and so why is that? Typically, a pH neutral cleaner would be pH from six to eight. Okay. Um, and that's diluted. Make sure diluted. That, yeah, diluted. That's actually, you have to remember, yeah, you have to remember concentrates pH are going to be different than what it is at dilution. So you take a product that could have a pH of nine and a half, ten. If you're if you're diluting it out a half ounce per gallon, the pH of that product is going to be the pH of whatever your water is. It's going to be relatively neutral. Anything with a lot of caustic or acid. And concentrate is still going to have a high pH or a low pH there. You don't want to go, I don't like to hear you say seven or lower because okay. when you're too low, you're going to become very acidic and it's going to be just as corrosive if it's too high. What you're looking for is at dilution six to eight, five and a half to eight and a half is about the outer realm. That's because pH from five and a half to six and a half is right around the pH of your skin. So it's not going to irritate you there. Um, it's also not going to be corrosive to metals. Um, pH is higher than eight are going to start to defat your skin um, and could start to tarnish some aluminum and some of those chrome and things like that. Rick, the standard is every time you move up or down one point from neutral, that product is 10 times stronger. So if you're using a product with a pH of nine or 10, that you go from seven to eight, that's 10 times stronger. Eight to nine, that's 10 times more stronger. Nine to 10, that's another. So you're talking a thousand times stronger than neutral. I mean, it's okay. not going to bubble your toilet or nothing like that. But in, in pH terms, it's that much stronger. So okay. you got to worry about leaving the residue that's going to, as Nate said, leaving damaging the surface. If you're spraying a pH uh, product, a disinfectant that's maybe 10 or 11, and you're not wiping, I'm not wiping it off, it could do some serious damage. Correct? Yeah. Correct. I mean, yeah, you're looking at, I mean, anyone that's been in the industry, you're newer, but anyone that's been in the industry for 15 plus years knows about what quat burn will do to certain surfaces that aren't compatible. It's going to discolor it. It's going to damage it. It's going to warp it. It's going to bubble it. Uh, you're not going to see it at first, 
like I said, this is, this is the thing that people are going to start noticing three, six, eight, nine months out where they're just broadcast spraying disinfectant all over the place. They're going to come back nine months later. They're going to have all kinds of things. They're going to be discolored. They're going to be damaged. You're going to get people saying, okay, well, now you're already seeing this with plexiglass, with light switches, with all of these types of plastic. You're getting stress cracking from uh, disinfectants that have a high pH or have a high solvent load that are destroying the plastic, destroying the plexiglass, things that were never meant to have these products sprayed on them, let alone doused in them, left on it to dry, yeah. repeated, you know, eight hours later and continue that way. That's just not okay. what, they're, what they're meant to do. All right. So as you see, I'm taking notes here. So this is, this is, this is, this is good stuff here, guys. Um, to add a little bit yeah. here, Ricky, I, yeah. I was in a building last week that uh, had a company, had, had has been having a company come in there and spray a disinfectant and not wipe it down. Uh, it's a competitive disinfectant. And as I looked up this competitor's disinfectant, uh, it says you don't have to wipe it. It's, it's 11.9 on the pH. Ouch. It's a quad-based product. Well, they had these beautiful white powder-coated stalls. The doors were all white powder-coated. Well, they weren't white. They were yellow, and they could not figure out how to get that yellow cast off. Of that burn. Yeah. Pardon me? That's a quad burn. Oh, yeah. But the, the only way we could get it off, close your ears, Nate. The only way we, <laughs> <laughs> the only way we got it off is with 9.5% toilet bowl cleaner. Yeah, yep. you're gonna you're gonna etch it. You're gonna have to etch yeah. the Well, so no, then, it's powder coated. It was powder okay. coated. So, so it, we were fine as far as that goes. But uh, I mean, it was. They tried everything. I mean, cleansers. They tried everything and could not. <laughs> so guys, so what about now? So let I'll give you like a a, a couple of examples where because I think Nate, you were kind of touching on this where, so we know cleaning every day, every time, every, just every time. Uh, is number dis one. Disinfecting though, do I, so let's give two examples here where, you know, I have a day porter, a, a day porter position at a, let's call it a, you know, a healthcare facility or a gym. And then I have the overnight cleaners that, you know, operate in the overnight environment. Uh, so do, do we really need them to disinfect every single day, even every hour, you know, because no. perception is, perception is everything, right? They think, oh, disinfect, disinfect, disinfect. But do they, you know, in a healthcare facility, I don't know, maybe you tell me is, I think that would be an environment I would assume you can, dis, you should be disinfecting equal amount of time as cleaning. But what about other environments that, like you said, you don't have to disinfect. That's another misconception, I think, is I would have thought. You have to, you you have to realize, to you have to realize that once you recontaminate the surface, it's not disinfecting anymore. Those high touch points, the reason why we're talking about cleaning them all the time is because they're going to be touched again. So you're going to spend your 10 minutes, allow your ball time, great, it's disinfected until someone comes and touches that doorknob again or that light switch again. That's why those day porters that are going around and cleaning those surfaces every couple hours, it's cleaning, it's not disinfecting. Um, okay. A facility with a lot of people in it that are back to work right now, disinfecting once a night, great. You're starting the building back in at, at zero potential pathogens every day. But if you're disinfecting throughout the day, makes no sense logistically. And from a, uh, you're, the moment that someone comes back in, flips on that light switch, touches that doorknob, touches that handrail down the stairs, 
it's not disinfecting anymore. So you're wasting your time. You're spending the wheel. That is actually, wow. That's going to be a huge takeaway here. I mean, not only for me personally, but I know even in, in some of the groups that I'm in, that's the topic we always are talking about now because Frank, you were talking about how the norm is going to change and the amount of time that we spend cleaning and disinfecting is going to, you know, we're going to need more time to do it. But everybody that I talk to as BSC size, again, this is the first time, you know, I'm talking to the, a supplier, a chemical expert is everybody thinks we need more time to disinfect, to be honest. That's what everybody is, is, is under the understanding that they're going to put together a scope. You just saw my, my one, two, three step method where it's, as long as I do it once a night then, or once a day. So that's very important for me to know. And I think what the audience is going to really take away is, is it's not necessarily disinfecting every, every time. Cause I, I thought that, cause I did think like, man, what am I, I'm just going to, I keep spraying disinfectant over and over again. Like, what is that really going to do? It's actually going to hurt the surface. You just kind of reassured me on, on that. Yeah. So how can, like, when you've got a high-touch porter or a, you know, someone that's doing the uh, high-touch areas during the day, how can they let that disinfectant sit two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes? There's no way with people in the building. That, that's, that was going to be another big topic is, let's talk about, uh, so Nate, or Jim, or Frank, right? One-minute dwell time, ten-minute dwell time. What is the difference between that? I mean, is that, is, is one stronger than the other? Is that why the dwell time is different or, you know, explain why some chemicals claim one minute versus the others that claim 10 minutes. Yeah. So stronger, um, again, you're looking at disinfection is generally a five log reduction, meaning it kills 99.999% of the pathogens there or more, but the ones that have the short contact time, you're looking at a product that's going to have a really high pH, high amount of solvent, um, or as a very, or as an oxidizer. So your chlorine bleaches, your parasitic acids, things that are very corrosive, much more dangerous because it, by their nature, they are just more reactive. Your neutral quats, the reason why those have longer contact times is because they're generally not as destructive you're going to end up at the same thing at the same amount of kill claim at the end of the dwell time, whether it be a one minute, a two minute, a five minute, a 10 minute, but that's what we've established through efficacy testing at independent testing labs that we've registered and had approved from the EPA. But your general, your neutral disinfectants, 10 minutes is generally the status quo. It takes okay. you that, get that, that amount of killing ability. When you get into products that have a pH of, 10 and a half, 11 and a half, 12 and a half, because they have the caustic, they may have some solvent to it. You can speed up that process, but now you're looking at something that's not a surface compatible. You can't put it on a finished floor because it's going to start to strip the floor finish. You can't put it on plastic or plexiglass or some of these things because it's going to start to embrittle those things. Um, and then when you have your oxidizers, when you have your chlorine bleaches, your parasitic acids, your hydrogen peroxides, what, what have you, you're gonna have things where you can't put it on metals because it's going to rust the metals, degrade those types of things. So there's always a trade-off. There's not one magic bullet disinfectant. It really is, yeah. what am I trying to destroy? What surfaces am, am I applying it to? Who's using the product? Okay. Ricky, I look at it this way. Uh, when I was with a contractor one time, our biggest problem was restrooms. And we decided to redo the way we did restrooms. And I think, 
you know, I mean, nobody's going to take 10 minutes per restroom. They're not going to allow you to do that. But if it's taking you three to five minutes to clean a restroom, the first thing you should do is go in and spray the high contact areas, let them sit. Then you go empty the trash. You know, you do the high dusting, you fill the toilet paper, you fill the towels. And the last thing you do is you pick up the disinfectant. So maybe you didn't give it the 10 minute contact time, but you're given at least five minutes. Well, before we used to just go in and spray and wipe. Yeah. You gotta go in and, and, and change your procedures a little bit. And then th this is a good, a good topic as far as like Jim, you, you are relating to it too, is, you know, you guys day porters, I mean, there, there's no way you can spray wait dwell time, spray wait dwell time when there's so much foot traffic. So let's use a gym, for example, right? Some of these 24 hour gyms, that environment, there's bodily fluids, sweating, touching, you know, constantly. I, you get off a treadmill, somebody's jumping on your treadmill, right? So what do we, so then that is in essence, then what I'm hearing is we, we clean throughout the day. We're cleaning, cleaning, cleaning. Uh, we may just need to disinfect one time throughout the day, but then continuously then cleaning, right? Because that is a task. I'll tell you, that's a real life scenario for me is we have this gym that's going to want us to be cleaning six to eight hours a day during the day around gym members. So multiple things to think about there, right? Is, you know, Jim, you're right. Where am I going to spray a place and tell somebody, yo, don't jump on this, this treadmill. Give me three minutes. I got to let it dwell, blah, blah, blah. Or is it just communicating with the owner to then have them send out the message to the gym members to say, you know, Hey, we are performing tasks that involves chemicals because we don't want them touching something that we just sprayed either, right? I mean, how does that, if it allowed the dwell time, we rinsed it and cleaned it. If somebody does touch that surface, what are the effects there? Anyone want to jump in on that one? So, I mean, you have to realize every type of disinfectant is going to have some form of a hazard associated with it, whether it be inhalation risks, whether it be corrosive to touch, things like that. So yeah, the, that's why this whole thing of seeing people with electrostatic sprayers spraying stuff all over the place is not advisable. That's one of the reasons. But the other one is you all of a sudden start breathing this in. I mean, you're, if you're spraying down a treadmill with disinfectant next to someone else that's running and sucking it in, they're going to be breathing in that chemical. That's not smart. Um, but it, if you've been in their gym anyway, they're going to – you're not going to allow it to sit there for 10 minutes or for three minutes. It's just, that's not feasible. Uh, you need to, you need to clean it in between usage because remove the germs that are there physically remove them by cleaning. Um, but to try to worry about killing 99.9, .9, killing the 100% of the germs that are there in between usage, you don't have the time for that. And it's not going to be feasible because the moment that you step on that treadmill, push the button to go and you start breathing. Now your germs are every day. Yeah. So you, really going to be worried about that term plus every single treadmill and all that equipment is either plastic or metal mm -hmm. all of that's got surface compatibility issues with that anyway so no you're looking at the best thing to do is in between usages is clean 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 um and then again if as we should be in this pandemic situation disinfect once a night come back start at ground zero every day Okay. Um, the whole point of this is making sure you reduce the viral load, the pathogen load on every surface that people are coming in contact to a point where you're not going to get infected. And it's important to note that right now, the CDC has walked back their verbiage about transmission from surfaces. Right. right. 
We yeah. thought it was a big deal at first. Now it's because they aren't pinpointing people touching surfaces and getting sick. It's not likely, but that's why cleaning is still vital. Okay. So Frank and, uh, and Jim, what, what about as for, B, for us BSCs? I mean, cause we are always trying to think of production, right? Right. So we know, you know, from what it sounds like is like, you know, just the old fashioned of spray bottles is always going to be the best applicator. But what about, what about a mist sprayer, right? Or what about these sprayers that spray downward and they aren't necessarily, you know, shooting up in the air? I mean, is there just, cause I think that's what everybody's always trying to get to is better production rate, faster, more efficient than the old fashioned spray bottle. And I know, you know, cause I, I had the same assumption or ideas of these electrostatic sprayers and, you know, foggers too, is it's just, I don't see it as beneficial because of the inhalants, you know, hazardous that could, could come out of that. But I got to believe that we can at least use other applications to be able to, to spray more, more, um, what do they call that? Like more of a fine mist to cover a little bit more than what a spray bottle would. So are you talking about like in a health club with cleaning down, uh, wiping down equipment? Yes. So we've been working with several health, health clubs and what we've suggested versus going with the spray bottles because the last thing you want to do is even with the spray bottles, spray stuff when people are working out because they're going to inhale that, uh, you know, they're breathing it, it's going up in the air. So what we've been doing is actually uh, promoting um, microfibers with charging buckets. Okay, so, I've heard of that. You, know, you, you get a bunch of microfibers, you put them in the bucket, you, uh, and everybody's going to be in the cleaning crew these coming going forward, uh, whether it's uh, whether it's the trainer or whether it's the supervisor at that health club. Everybody is going to be part of the cleaning crew, and what they're going to do is have those buckets identified for the trainer or for the uh, the person that's supervising that area, and they're going to pull that that moist damp cloth out of that bucket and wipe down the equipment and then have another bucket with just water and wipe it down as well. Uh, and then once they're done doing it, they're going to put it in a bag. So it's, they're always getting clean. Uh, they're always wiping it with clean solution and a clean uh, microfiber. So that's, but that's I, cleaning. That's you're going to have to, because you cannot be spraying whether it's aerosol, yeah. whether it's uh, a, a, a trigger spray, which are very hard to get right now. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they're probably going to disappear in a health club because someone's going to take them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, so, you can look into what they do in healthcare. They use the, they use the microfiber, they use that same routine. Use the charging buckets. You're That's... cleaning out a room in between patient stays. You do not want to be spraying these products around everyone where they could breathe them in but you pre-dilute into a bucket your disinfectant solution and you have a rinse solution. You use one microfiber to wipe, wipe everything down, make sure it's cleaned. When you're in healthcare, you're there, you're going to definitely allow it to dwell time. But in a health club or an office building situation, you're gonna wipe it down and you're gonna come back, you're gonna rinse it off. Everything's gonna be clean, everything's gonna be good. And you're not gonna to to worry about someone inhaling it or spraying it on a surface that it's not supposed to be on. Okay, I like that. I and, mean, and I think and the, I, the big, a big, perception also is i mean bscs are always looking for tag jobs and that's all you see now and even in the you watch tv everybody's spraying these things with with electrostatic sprayers everybody's fogging everything oh that's we're wonderful we got to fog it and oh and, and even bscs now we're advertising we'll come in and we'll disinfect 
Well, I mean, Nate, again, and, and Nate is behind this. CDC doesn't even recognize that. Mm -hmm. First of all, if you want to add it as an extra uh, precaution, that's fine. But, you know, if you clean and you disinfect properly, like we talked about, there's no need to miss that sprayer everywhere. Okay. It, just, okay. it doesn't do anything different. But again, we're in an industry that looks for tag jobs and things like that. Correct. Again, I think it's going to come back and bite us. And we oh, have yeah. very, very confident. And customers love it. I mean, you go to a big property manager in New York City or Chicago, they love it because that's what they saw on TV. We yeah. got to find this area. It's disinfected. They've got to understand that that's not the cure-all. I mean, it's a nice little add-on thing, but it's not a necessity. I've got some contractors that were told that, oh, you're going to make that part of your normal clean. I'm not paying you anymore for that. Again, you're adding another, another step. But again, is there any benefit in that, Nate? No, actually, in this in this case, we're looking at uh, decreasing the efficacy of the products you're using. Um, the droplet size actually is important. Um, establishing that you've got enough chemical concentration on those surfaces to do it, which is the reason why EPA is saying electrostatic sprayers in this case are not recommended. Foggers are not recommended uh, because potential debris on the surface can inhibit the contact time versus a flooded surface. Uh, the other thing you have to remember is Fogging is different than uh, electrostatic spraying. If you talk about product that can be fogged, you're talking about taking off a room, sealing off the room, ensuring that a certain amount of fog solution is applied throughout that certain amount of volume of that room, and it's truly fogged. All of these misters are applying products that are 15 micron, 20 micron droplets. The efficacy is not there yet to say whether or not that small droplet, that fine droplet can get you the kill that you're expecting to get. It gives you that false sense of security that you don't, that we don't want to have in this middle of that, this pandemic. So while it is more work to use a trigger sprayer, or it's maybe a little bit more cumbersome to use one of those pump up pressure sprayers, or to use a charging bucket and microfiber, those are the only routes of applying this product and, and knowing and assuring that you're going to get the FC you're looking for. And I think, Ricky, this is the, this is the information. We have to get the BSEs out there because, yeah. again, it's going to come back just like Nate talked about with quad buildups after eight or nine months because everybody wants you to disinfect instead of once a day, five times a day. This is the point. We've got to be considered professionals. They're coming up saying, what do you think? If we say, oh, we think you should fog the building, we think that's not the right way to do it. I think we have to be very honest and upfront saying, listen, perception-wise, fine. If you want me to do it, and it looks great, fine. But if not, it's really not adding any more protection. Yes, I think that's a great point, guys. I mean, I, I think it does come down to perception, right? You oh, see yeah, somebody exactly. in, in a coverall suit with the P100, you know, respirators. And yeah, again, I, I, I was that guy in the beginning, you know, jumped on. Um, but that's why I, I always said. I'd rather see him use the electrostatic sprayer filled with water, hosing down all the high touch surfaces to rinse it and come back and watch it. And so that was, that's actually, that was. I'd rather see him do it. That was going to be actually a good uh, thank you for that, Nate, because I was going to say what, so because Frank, you're right. Clients are asking for it. Clients are saying, I want that. Right. So then they see it. So it's Nate, and Jim, so you guys, if, if we do, you know, this one, two, three step method, right. If we do the charging buckets, if we do the trigger sprayers and then we leave it for that last step, if they do want it, because that's actually what I'm thinking, Nate is, using the sprayer, since I already have them, right, is using the sprayer to, to water mist everything to then come back and, and do a pretty, even more thorough job, I guess, on wiping down everything, because at the end of the day, it's water then, at that yeah. point, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, you don't have to worry about the inhalation of water. You're going to help dilute things off the surface to help rinse it away. To help rinse uh, it away. If you okay. want the perception of seeing someone walking around spraying stuff, you got it. <laughs> That's okay. about the best way you're going to I think the biggest thing is if we've got to convince customers, listen, we're not a commodity anymore. We're cleaning for health. You mm -hmm. want this building safe you, for your employees and everything. you got to pay me what it's worth. And this yeah. is exactly what it is. It's going to take you time. You can't spot clean anymore. You can't, you're just trash and dash. If you want me to totally disinfect this thing, I've got to do it. I mean, you're only going to get 3,000 square feet, 4,000 square feet out of people every night. If yeah. people have been 20,000 square feet, they're not going to get disinfecting cleaning. And yeah. I think they have to understand it. Pay me to do my job and you won't have these issues. Exactly. And it's, and it's, these are the great added value points where, you know, Jim, you know, you've always a great resource for me as a BSC when I'm here in the Chicago market is give them the terminology, give your client the, the why, you know, why am I charging this? Why am I asking for this amount of time? Cause I feel like, you know, and I just had a, a webinar on this a couple of weeks ago where, People are afraid to talk to their clients right now. When I'm like, man, I am all over my clients right yeah, now. Because you're in the driver's seat now. Yeah, where like if you don't give them the value add, the one pager on the process and the chemicals you're using, and you know, and show them the education that we have, they are going to still look at us as commodities. Where if you come back with a program, right, and then you say, you know, I'm bringing in Jim here for my walkthrough. I'm bringing in, you know, my equipment, you know, because I want to talk about ATP meters too, guys. Is I'm bringing in all these value-added tools and, and experts to show you I give, I, you know, frankly, I give a shit about your space. It means not only revenue for me, but it means commitment and security for my employees to continue to service you as a, as a BSC. So, hey, ATPs. Rick, yes, Rick, go can ahead, I ask a question real quick? Go for Nate, it. Nate, I was, in a, uh, I was at a healthcare facility yesterday that does a lot of plastic surgery, does, um, you know, a lot of a uh, lot of fancy stuff. A lot of you know, elective surgery. Elective surgeries. So they they bought a UV machine. It's called Bob, <laughs> where they'll, right. they'll they'll put it in a room after a um, after a client is in there, and mm -hmm. UV it. They they're waiting for the manufacturer to get back to them because they've sent all the measurements of the rooms. So they it will time out. They you know they the remote control. How effective are those? If you've got one, it goes back to anything that makes a kill claim. It's as effective as you've got studies or data that supports it. But if the surfaces are clean, pretty effective based on the data that I've seen. Uh, but again, it goes back to all of it. Uh, bacteria, bacteria, you're talking micron size. If you haven't cleaned things, you're not, you're, it's going to hide, right? So cleans, it goes back to disinfectants. It's the same thing. It's another tool. So yes, if they clean everything and then they go do it so that they can disinfect that room or sterilize the room, whatever the equipment is claiming um, in a shorter period of time than using wet chemistry or not having to worry about the surface compatibility. Again, the other thing though is all those UV things, that's line of sight. So it doesn't wrap around, it doesn't get all the way around. It's only what gets exposed to the light is where that is and that's energy based so you're not going to get all the way around a bed rail you're not going to do all that you're going to have to usually move those equipment to get every nook and cranny yeah. in those rooms so what and about again, jim that's so, a great what so what, what will what will that uv since we're everybody is plexiglassing everything with sneeze guards now <laughs> what will that uv like do to plexiglass will that craze it 
I don't know. Um, it should be. I mean, you look at, you got plexiglass barriers and windows that sit outside over time. I mean, it's a UV is a specific wavelength of light. Um, could it embrittle it over time? Probably. My guess would be that it would actually be okay. It probably though, if the U, if the plexiglass absorbs the UV light at all, you're definitely not going to get any disinfection on the other side of it. Right. You're going to go both sides to try to do that. But I don't know that one to be to. That's just a guess on my part. Yeah, because I see. I mean, I see why those UV lights. Because Jim, I've been seeing those pop up too. There's actually another question I was going to ask. This is a good point. Is uh, like airlines, right? Areas that you could take the time to hit every surface or every you know line of sight. But what about wands then, Nate? Like if somebody could use a, you know, they have the, the UV light wands. I mean, is that as effective? Again, I don't want to say it's not effective, but I are don't we just going a different direction than we should be going? Again, if you're worried about, you should be more concerned about cleaning than okay. you are about waving a magic wand. I would say that my guess is that the UV technology guys that are pushing the high output, high energy um, systems would view the wands the same way we view this foo-foo dust or the electrostatic sprayers. They're just waving something there to wave it. Okay. Um, now you're going to get the amount of time because these UV things don't happen instantaneously. This isn't something that just happens within 30 seconds. It takes a little bit of time for for the application to wear to wear through. But I I okay. I'd have to look at it more. But it's doesn't seem anything that in this in this era right now anything that sounds too good or that oh. is going to make your job really easy <laughs> that's is my, not going to work. This it's is not the, going to be effective. So this is my next point, which Frank you touched on earlier. Is I am hearing this buzz around. Um, the, I don't even know how, what the description is, but it's, it's chemical solutions that are saying they're protectants. Antimicrobial protect, yeah, where they protect for 30 to 60 to 90 days. Now, it makes sense. Again, it's, it's me as a BSC and I, and I get, you know, hit left and right with emails and, you know, again, all these different solutions. It seems like a great value add for my client, you know, that I come in and I, I perform my cleaning, I perform my disinfectant, and then, hey, you know what? I'm going to give you a protectant layer for X amount of days. Uh, it sounds great, sounds good, sounds helpful for my client, right? We're looking out for them. But I mean, for that's a long time. I feel like that's a, just a big liability where I, I don't, I just don't know enough about that. Like, what's your guys, you know, I know, Frank, I know your standpoint on that, but, but like, what, what is this antimicrobial uh, approach? Go ahead, Nate. <laughs> well, Jim, you're going to talk. I'll hear you first. <laughs> As uh, Nate said, if it sounds too good to be true, it normally isn't. Uh, um, I mean, we've seen a lot of these. Uh, all of a sudden, they've come out of the woodwork. I mean, many years ago, I remember when they first came out, a long time ago, uh, they were more for socks, more for fabrics, more for odor control, in, mm -hmm. uh, like gold-toed gold socks. That was their that was their claim to fame is they had an antimicrobial in there to keep the socks from having a funky odor to it after you've been wearing them for a day you know and sweating yeah. them. So, uh, so what they're doing? So what this is? This is called the treated article exemption. Yeah. Right. This is a antimicrobial coating that's applied to a surface to inhibit the growth of bacteria and mildew, uh, but it's 
explicitly prohibited by the EPA to make any sort of human health claim. What Jim just touched on, these things can help prevent fouling from an odor. Um, they're used a lot in the lumber industry to prevent mildewing of treated lumber. Um, they're sprayed on a lot of things that get shipped overseas um, so that you don't grow mold and mildew from dampness being on a ship. But to think that this stuff is going to kill a virus for 60 to 90 days when someone's going to touch it or doing it, no, it does not happen. It is not a valid EPA claim. And everyone is, there's only, there's a master registration from one company that does it right. Most all of these are sub-registering it and they're basically bastardizing the claims of what you can do and trying to spin it in that used car snake oil salesman of saying, because I can inhibit the growth of bacteria for 90 days on a piece of lumber that no one's going to touch, I can kill COVID for 90 days. No, <laughs> no way. Again, it, right now, if it sounds like it's going to be the cure-all for everything, if it's gonna make your life easy, it's going to be simple, it is not going to be effective and it is not going to deliver on what it is. Most of these companies that are, make, that are trying to sell this stuff will not exist in six months. Wow. You won't hear from them again. Okay. Good to know. Good to know I didn't make some of these purchases. This is reassuring. You would have, though. I know you. You would have. No, don't say that. Come on. <laughs> All right, guys. So now I was going to – let's talk about a, a value-added tool that, uh, you know, Frank and, and Jim, I know you guys, you know, you talk to BSCs a lot. And, Jim, you connected me with Sergey over there for the ATP meter, right? Is, is an ATP meter a value-added tool for a BSC to have – to just ensure that extra layer of, hey, I am doing my job. Here's our, not that you want to show proof every time, but is it a good tool to have in our arsenal as a BSC to, to, to just know that the work's being done? In, in, in my opinion, yeah, it validates that you're actually cleaning the surface. You're not going to, you know, you, you have to explain it to your customer that it's all it's doing is telling you if that surface is clean or if it's dirty. At that particular you, moment, though. Yeah, right. Oh, I mean, okay. At least after they're done, or, you know, you can measure, a lot of times I'll use it to measure the soil load before we start to figure out how dirty that, how dirty that surface is and what we have to use to get it clean. And okay. then I'll measure it afterwards. Uh, so, you know, and, but so you got to remember, you, 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 you have to, you have to, have to create, you have to get a baseline that you can, that's manageable. Okay. So that's all I was going to say. It's almost like, it would be good for us as BSCs as we enter new contracts or if we're doing our quality control visits with, with the staff or the, you know, the client, like you said, Frank, it's th at the moment, right? So we want to just make sure we're telling them it's, it's not that this is all clean. It's this area, this moment. Uh, we have tested it to show that there was soil before. Team came through, soil is gone, it's clean. We're doing a good process. We're, we're, we're managing our quality, basically. Yeah, I mean, cool. you have to. You, you're gonna going forward. I would. You're gonna have to be able to validate that the surfaces are being cleaned and that um, your your frequencies, uh, your procedures, and that uh, you're actually doing what you say you're doing, and uh, your people are that the surfaces are as clean as you're telling them. And that's yeah. one way to do. And it. that's and that's actually and that's why I reached out to you, Jim, about that because it's getting it's going to get to the point. I'm so, I'm trying to get ahead of everything too, is and I'm trying to. To, to give everybody as much help and advice and, and, and direction is, you know, it's what we do, you can't really see it, 
you know, you don't really see that we're doing our, our job every day, every night. Um, so anything that helps to just ensure and prove that the quality or the cleanliness is there, I got to feel is a value add. So that's why I'm also looking for these type of tools and trying to find out the best solutions we as BSCs can, can offer to just continue to validate, 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 and prove that the job is being done. Cause it's, it is a non-visible job at most times. Yeah. I mean, and then the other thing, like uh, Jim, you probably could talk to like the QA tools in CompuClean are yeah. another great exactly. way of validating mm -hmm. and ensuring and documenting what you're doing um, and having that written SOP there to back that up. Yeah. Okay. Well, guys, I could keep talking. You know, I know you guys keep the Nate. I know you could talk shop all day on this stuff. So this is good. Um, but I, I, I always like to end with, uh, with a couple things, right? One at the end, we'll, we'll touch on, on some funny stories from each other. Uh, but more importantly is before we get off this, uh, each one of you guys, what, what is something that you want the, the industry, not necessarily just a BSC, but just even if it's clients of BSCs, what are some points that you guys want to leave, leave, um, leave with everybody here as we, as we begin to sign off here? I can, I can start. This is, this has been my passion for the last 40 years, the value of what we do. Um, I, again, I, it, it hurt that we were just a commodity. I think it's up to us now, and it's got to come from the owners of BSEs down, that everybody has to value what we do. There's a value. We're not just – I remember the days when I was scrubbing baseboards with, with toothbrushes. Oh, and they say, oh, can I – you know, can you do this? Can you do that? Well, listen, I'm, it's, it's the value of clean or – you as an owner, contract cleaner, you know, somebody may like a product like a glass cleaner. They'll go and clean the whole bathroom and the toilet seat looks great and the faucets look great, but you didn't disinfect. So we've got to start with our own inside to, to establish a value that what we do is cleaning for health. We're not a commodity. You know, how we clean your building is how your people are going to feel every day. And it's not a two cents a square foot, beat me down type of thing. You know, you get what you pay for. And I think that's what we have to tell people. Jimmy, you're laughing. <laughs> no, I've heard that several times from you over the oh, years. I'm, I'm mad about it. <laughs> Jim, what about you? You know, I, I think the one good thing that's been coming out of uh, what's happening now is uh, the housekeepers are being recognized. I mean, you see it in the healthcare facilities, the acute care, you see them saying thank you. Uh, they're not uh, looked at as, uh, you know, as you know, almost invisible, but they're actually being recognized for how valuable they are. And I, I, I that's, that's something that I think I, in all the years I've been doing this, I've never seen that. And I think if anything good's coming out of this, as far as for our end of it, I think that's fantastic. And uh, cause they work, you know, they, you know, Ricky, you see it. Nah, and man. You, were involved, you were doing the work. I was they, doing the work, man. That, that recognition. Even. It's a, it's a thankless job. It's uh. You know, my first couple of years, they didn't even know I was the owner, right? And and I was servicing their locations, you know, getting down to nitty gritty, my wife and I. And it's, it is a thankless job, but now I, recognition is through the roof. And it's and not that it's about time, but it's like, it's, it's rewarding. It's definitely rewarding for my staff. I mean, they're, I got staff that are getting gift cards and, you know, dinners and, and the, I'm like, what the, I don't even well, get that kind of stuff. Going. You got to yeah, keep it going. That, that what you're doing is that your janitor closets are clean, that they're reusing the Absolutely. right disinfectant, 
that they're trained properly. Then you can go back with your pound your chest saying, listen, we are professionals. And this is what this whole industry is. Professionals. You're not just a janitor. You're not just yeah. a well, you have to establish those benefits with your company. You've yeah. got to make sure that everybody has protocol, that your procedures are followed, like a, like a SIM certification type of thing. Yeah. I think if we do that and we prove to everybody, we're going to go a long way. No, yeah. It's, it's about taking this serious to the, to the level and to the, I mean, we got to leverage everything that's out there. There's a lot of resources out there. Uh, and you, you nailed it, right? We got to show we're, we're professionals in this, yep. in this industry. You know, we, we, we do what we need to do to treat this like a trade. I tell everybody, we are a trade service. When we're on a post-construction job, you got plumbers are a trade, electricians are a trade, carpenters are a trade, and there's a cleaning company. That's a trade too, you know, because it, it, that's what we are. Nate, what about you? What's a, what's a good sign-off point for you? Uh, they're both, what Jim and Frank both said were both great. Uh, my thing is, look, there's not a one-size-fit-all solution to this. You're in, each facility has got its own high touch surfaces it has its own limitations on what materials it's built out of what you can use uh, it really needs to be just coming in and painting a broad brush of this is what we're going to do every facility needs to be evaluated from the ground up about how we're going to clean the schedule of cleaning um, if you know if office buildings where everyone's in their own office each office does not need to be cleaned and disinfected because the only person that's going to be in there is a, is a, is a person with their own microbiome there that has their own germs no one worries about but if it's an office where everyone has a shared workstation that is going to be a completely different thing so this is an area where we need to be in the professionals we need to realize that this is not just a one-off solution for everything this needs to be each one needs to be reevaluated, and it needs to be brought in with who's working there what are you cleaning what is the operation and all that sort of thing so really getting back with the professionalism idea of evaluating each facility you're cleaning and all the other BSCs that are going to watch this, going back to each facility management person and saying, look, this is what you need. This is your custom program. This is how we're going to get you through this. Awesome. That's a, that's a drop the mic moment right there, guys. Uh, so, Hey guys, so that, that's pretty much it for me. Um, Cause I, I'm actually, it's five o'clock now. I don't want to take up much more of your guys' time. I could keep this going. Our next one's going to be an in-person. I know I'm going to see all you guys at the ISSA show here in Chicago. Um, thank you so much for all the wealth of knowledge that everybody's going to get out of this. Uh, if we can end with, you know, cause I, I always like to give people a, a way to contact you and, and maybe ask some direct questions. So Nate, if you want to give somebody your LinkedIn, Jim, Frank, same thing, just so if somebody else has additional questions, they can reach out to you guys. I'm at F. Trevisani at SpartanChemical.com. I'm at uh, J. Miller at SpartanChemical.com, and my cell phone is 312-953-7255. And Gobert at SpartanChemical.com, and if you call the sport, Spartan corporate number, uh, extension 276, you'll get me directly. Awesome. Well, guys, cheers. Ricky, Ricky one you. last thing. Let me, let me get it. Okay, what's up? Gibson's is open tomorrow. I know. I'm going to be there. You got a I'm reservation? Not, I'm not kidding. I got a reservation outside. Are you cleaning the kitchen? Hey, man, I've done some services for them there. Sitting outside, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Thanks guys, very much, Rick. Throw, let, let everybody get their glass up for a cheers. You know, cheers. Thank you, guys. Thanks to the cleaning industry. Thank you, guys, for the time that you guys took out to talk to me right now and to share your knowledge. 
Um, and until next time, thank you guys. I appreciate thank it. You. Thank, thank you, you, Ricky. Have a good one. Thank you guys. You too. Appreciate it. All right.